Welcome to Knocked Up, a podcast about fertility, pregnancy, and women's health. I'm your host, Jordi Morrison, and I'm joined as always by Dr. Rayleigh Liu, fertility specialist, gynecologist, and director of Women's Health Melbourne. Welcome, Rayleigh. Hi, how are you doing? Good. Before we begin today's show, we have a little favour to ask. If you're a fan of Knocked Up, please rate it and leave a review on iTunes. Ideally, give us a five-star review. It really helps other listeners to find our show and the resources we have to offer. And one other announcement. We're putting together an episode where we're going to respond to questions from listeners. We'd love to hear your input so that we can answer the questions that are important to you. Our email is podcast at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. And just remember, your prescription is subscription. Wendy Fideli is an accredited dietitian in Melbourne. She has a master's degree in dietetics and extensive clinical experience. She specialises in women's health, fertility, pregnancy and postnatal nutrition. She's a mum herself, having been through her own fertility and pregnancy journey. Wendy loves helping women to optimise their health to enhance fertility and give their babies the best possible start to life through tailored medical nutritional therapy. We're excited to have Wendy as a guest on our podcast to provide expert, evidence-based nutrition advice. Welcome, Wendy. Hi, thank you for having me. So, well, I guess as you said, I'm an accredited practicing dietitian. Um, so I've done many years of study and training um, to become a clinical dietitian, which I guess makes me an expert on nutrition. And then specialising in the fertility area, just lots of research and further study in that area, um, which I guess was inspired by my own fertility and pregnancy journey. And that's how I became really passionate about the area. And yeah, and I'm I'm just loving working in this area at the moment and helping women and helping um, couples to just really optimise their chances of fertility and having happy and healthy babies. Yeah. With the trend that we're seeing at the moment with everyone being vegan or attempting to be vegan, what what's your opinion on how that works with attempting to conceive or getting pregnant or being pregnant or postnatally? Yes, yeah, so that is that's a common question that I get asked about and it's certainly um, we're seeing it much more these days that a lot of people are more interested in becoming vegan for environmental reasons, for health reasons. Um, and in some ways it is a really um, excellent way of eating because it's if you're doing it right, it's high in vegetables and whole grains and all sorts of healthy foods. Um, the only problem is that it is um, low and in some cases completely lacking in particular nutrients that are very important um, for fertility, for um, the baby's development in pregnancy as well. And so, for example, one of those nutrients is vitamin B12, which um, is not naturally occurring in non-animal products. And so although you can certainly become pregnant and have a healthy pregnancy on a vegan diet, you will need to be supplementing. And it's a good idea to have a chat to an accredited practicing dietitian just to make sure that you're meeting all of your nutrient requirements. Yeah, so I always refer my patients who are vegan to see a dietitian throughout pregnancy, actually preconception, because I think it's so important just to make sure that they've got all of the right, you know, baseline nutrients on board to get pregnant in the first place and then to have a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby. I'm pseudo-vegan myself, basically by, by, default. Um, by default, because my <laughs> husband's vegan. Right. And um, and we, we've had lots of discussions about, you know, our kids, because it's very hard to impose a vegan diet on a child in the same way that it is 
you know, kind of easy for an adult to make a conscious choice because mm. kids are fussy. They don't always want to eat their chickpeas yeah. and take their supplements. <laughs> so my kids are not vegan, but we have a pretty vegan household. And, um, yeah, so these are, these are, it's not easy. It's not easy. There's lots of unhealthy vegan options. Hot chips are vegan. So um, yeah. so dark Yeah, so um, although dark chocolate has its merits, George. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the volume. Depends on the volume, yeah. But I guess something to consider as well is that there are plenty of people following, um, you know, an omnivorous diet where they, you know, will eat anything that still won't be meeting many of their nutrition requirements. So it's also really about the quality of your diet and the variety of foods that you're eating. What about avoiding dairy and soy? Certainly there's a lot of talk about avoiding soy while trying to conceive. Yeah, and so and it's funny that is actually um, it's something that I get asked about all the time and it's something where the recommendations have probably changed a little bit over time and that's why it is confusing. I know back when I was studying my dietetics degree, the position back then was to limit really high amounts of soy in the time when you're trying to conceive. Um, now, however, it is looking like that's no longer the case and the majority of recent evidence is actually promoting um, intakes of soy for fertility and, you know, a study that came out fairly recently that looked at a pro-fertility diet, they called it, and that turned out in their study to be more effective for women undergoing IVF for their chances of success than even a Mediterranean-style diet. Um, one of the features of that diet was actually a higher soy intake. So, yeah, it's it's now not something that we need to be avoiding. There are certain populations um, that may benefit from limiting their soy intake, so women with certain health conditions, but on a general level, certainly not something that we need to be avoiding. But I know that a lot of women that come to see me, that's one that they've cut out of their diet as soon as they started trying to conceive. Yeah. Let's maybe talk about the kind of patients that um, and kind of women who really benefit from personalised dietetics referral when they're trying to conceive because I have a lot of different subset patient groups that I see in my practice who really do benefit and who might not have ever seen a clinical dietitian. So, Wendy, did you want to have a little chat about that for us? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, obviously from my point of view, um, I would love everyone to see a dietitian um, when they're planning a pregnancy just because of the huge amount of evidence we have on how what a mum eats in the lead up to conception, the impact that that can have on the future health of her baby. But in terms of, you know, women that I think really would benefit from that personalised approach, certainly um, women with health conditions that may affect fertility or pregnancy outcomes. Um, so things like polycystic ovarian syndrome um, is a big one. Endometriosis is another one as well. And diabetes as well, because your diabetes management is really important in the lead up to and during pregnancy. Um, anyone that's following any sort of restrictive style of diet, so for example, if you are vegan or vegetarian, if you are, you know, cutting out other food groups for any reason as well, it's just really important to make sure that you're providing your body with the nutrients that it needs as well. Um, so there are a few different groups. Anyone who has struggled with their weight as well and also women who might have overly been restricting their intake or with low yeah. body fat stores yes. as well. Yeah, so it's struggling That's with a, weight in both directions. Exactly, yeah. right, yeah. So it's often um, <clears throat> we hear all about how being above a healthy weight range can be detrimental for our fertility, um, but it definitely yeah. goes both ways, absolutely. 
Okay, wonderful. We're really excited that Wendy's um, going to be collaborating with us at Women's Health yeah. Melbourne um, to offer all our patients access to the basic nutritional advice and also to target more personalised advice to uh, patients with underlying fertility concerns. And, and I think we both share the view that, you know, a holistic approach to diet is so important, a holistic approach to fertility in general and just um, optimising all the things we can change in in diet and lifestyle is, is really helpful to make any medical approach more effective. Absolutely. And I that's what I absolutely love about your approach at Women's Health Melbourne is that you do consider it from a really holistic point of view and it's, yeah, all aspects. And again, nutrition's only one side of it as well. There are so many factors that impact fertility. Um, yeah, but I'm so excited to start working with Women's Health Melbourne. Yeah. We talk a lot about what you can and can't eat during pregnancy. There's all the myths. What, what's your view on the myths? Yeah, I guess um, I like to focus more on what you can eat in fertility. There's very little that I would say you can't eat. I mean, obviously I would be avoiding things like um, higher amounts of alcohol, large amounts of caffeine, and there are certainly things that we want to limit. Like, you know, I would be aiming for a lower sugar intake. I would be not having huge amounts of red meat things like processed meats, but there's not really evidence to say, you know, there are specific foods that you mustn't eat. While get. trying to conceive. Exactly right, yeah. yeah. And um, I know that one that, it's, so soy is one of the ones that yes. women come in often um, avoiding. Another one is dairy. Lots of women come in not having any dairy at all because they think that it's going to hinder their fertility. And while I don't think that you need to have dairy and, you know, the nutrient, it is a nutrient-dense food, but we can get those from lots of other foods. It's certainly not something that you need to be avoiding. What about during pregnancy? During pregnancy, I guess it is um, slightly different from a food safety point of view. So we would be limiting those high listeria risk foods. And also things like, and this is also beneficial before pregnancy as well, um, with your seafood to be going for the lower mercury, so avoiding those high mercury um, fish because that can be detrimental to the baby's health as well. And again, for fertility and pregnancy, things like um, trying to avoid high amounts of toxins that might be in, you know, food packaging and also um, pesticides with, you know, your fruit and vegetables. And, yeah, yeah, so like an organic approach. And I always say to my patients, um, my catchphrase is eat from the table of your ancestors because processed foods have so much potential to have hidden ingredients that we have no idea are in them and there can be endocrine disruptors. Absolutely right. Um, there can be preservatives that are chemical that we have no idea of what the effects might be on a baby. And if we have more of a whole foods diet, we know what's going in so we know we're in control. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's a really excellent point. And I think generally speaking, that approach will give you a greater um, variety and amount of nutrients and the vitamins and minerals that are really important as well. Yeah, so I think absolutely limiting processed foods is something that I would absolutely be going yeah. for. I mean, every now and then it's not going to hurt you and I don't no, think that we need to be extreme with our diets by any means. But, yeah, processed foods is something that we should be limiting and aiming for fresh whole foods when possible. Rania, you mentioned endocrine disruptors. What's an example of what an endocrine disruptor would do. So look, endocrine disrupting chemicals, they can be in our food, they can be in our environment. They're just basically chemicals that potentially can interact with our hormone receptors in our body. 
And uh, it might be pretty scary to realise that some of these are seeping into foods, even from plastic wrappers and from the containers we use. And um, one that people know about is BPA because there's been a bit of hype about that in the media. Because, in plastic um, containers. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, there's lots of baby bottles that say BPA-free and yes. plastics say BPA-free. But that's just one of, you know, thousands of chemicals in our environment. So, yeah, yeah endocrine-disrupting chemicals just mean chemicals that can interact with our body systems, interact with our biological receptors and have downstream effects hormonally mm. like a drug does. Yes. And they're in our food and they're in our environment. So um, being aware of the risk. Um, one thing I've done recently is I've stopped using plastic wrap on my food. Yeah. Um, I posted one of my posts on Instagram of one of my growing collection of um, beeswax infused. <laughs> oh yes, the beeswax wraps. Well, yes. they're very good, and, yeah, yeah. and they don't they don't infuse any any no. chemicals into into food. And um, I've also gotten rid of a lot of plastics. I've had a big chuck out in my pantry and um, invested in a few stainless steel containers and glass containers, glass containers everywhere containers too, and mm. um, avoid things like reheating foods in, in microwave Plastic. containers because um, that's one of the ways we know that endocrine disruptors can enter our food chain. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like another simple one that women can do, I see a lot of women walking around with, you know, the plastic reusable coffee mugs, so changing yes. to a glass one or a ceramic one. Or, or silicone. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not going to have the plastic. Yeah. yeah. We talk a lot about, certainly on a few podcasts, we've talked a lot about the male factor and mm. their contribution to fertility and it's certainly not a, a women's only issue. How does nutrition affect fertility from a man's perspective? Yeah, so nutrition can actually um, have a big impact on their sperm quality and, yeah, the sperm parameters for men, which is something that people are often really surprised about. And as well as affecting male fertility, we also know that a man's um, diet prior to conception can have a big impact on the long-term health of the baby as well. So that's why I do, um, I love doing couples consults for couples trying to conceive because so much of the time there's just a big focus on what the woman's doing and what the woman's eating. And the advice is fairly similar in some ways. So a whole foods um, diet with an emphasis on plant-based foods, so lots of vegetables, whole grains, nuts and seeds. Um, seafood, if you're happy to include that, is a good one as well. For male fertility, there actually is a little bit more evidence in terms of certain supplements that might be beneficial for men as well. So, and in some cases for the supplements, the evidence is actually a little bit stronger than for female fertility. So it is, it is an area where we can have quite a big impact and yeah, certainly important for men to start focusing on that. Yeah. And I would also say that it's, it's general health as well, isn't it? Mm, because fertility is really impacted by our general health and men who are a little bit overweight, men who are diabetic, who don't have great sugar control or yeah. who are pre-diabetic and have insulin resistance, men who have other medical conditions, absolutely, that, like celiac disease, for example, that might impact their nutrition. Just making sure that a man is healthy means that he's at his best baseline position to make healthy sperm. And also important to remember that men make sperm every day of their lives. So their health at the time that they're trying to conceive is really critically important um, in terms of their ability to make quality sperm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And also I think quite a positive thing there is that, you know, we do have that ability to, you know, you make a change now and it can have an impact. So, yeah, I think it's definitely a great area to focus on. 
You touched a bit on supplements. Yes. There's so many supplements mm. on the market. How, so where do you start? Many. If you don't know anything, where do you start? I would definitely come and chat to a dietitian because I don't like to give general supplement advice in sort of a, like a medium like this because it is. It can be very specific. I mean, there are some that all, you know, women or men trying to conceive should consider taking. So, for example, for women, you know, it's the guidelines that we should all be taking, the folic acid and your iodine as well. And then some general ones, um, you know, if your vitamin D levels are low or, you know, mildly low, then... So common. Taking, yeah, very, very common. So certainly a lot of us would benefit from a vitamin D supplement. And then, you know, beyond that, there are certain supplements that can help in particular instances and also with deficiencies as well. Yes. So it is really important for men and women if you're trying to conceive to be seeing um, your doctor or your lovely fertility specialist yeah. and getting um, a set of bloods done yeah. just so that you can screen for any nutrients that might be impacting your fertility as well. You touched briefly on iodine. Yeah. We used to have that through salt, but many of us now just use natural sea salt, which will not be iodized. Yeah, yes. So, and I think that's something that um, people don't realize you do need to actually select an iodized salt. Um, that's sort of somewhere where we've gone, we've gone to the table of our ancestors, but actually we're missing something because of it. Yeah, yeah. And I have to say, yeah, I do always wonder about the decision to make salt the product that they fortified with yes. iodine. Because it's not something that we're encouraging people, people to, to have. I know we're not meant to be anyway. having too much salt, but yeah. yet that's the place where we get our iodine. Exactly right. It is It is widespread in food as well. And I guess that's another reason why I don't, um, you know, there are instances where we certainly need certain supplements and for different people. But um, I do like to, you know, push a food first approach because there's actually generally for a lot of nutrients more evidence that um, we get better benefits from having the food itself. And so iodine, it's widespread in food as well. That is one that we should be supplementing as well, however, because it has reduced in our food supply due to changes in the soil, changes in the way that dairy is processed now as well. But certainly, you know, seafood can be a good source of iodine as well. There is still some in milk and dairy as well. And by having a varied whole foods diet, you will be getting some iodine there as well. Yeah, and iodine is really critically important because it's a building block for thyroid hormone. And Mm. thyroid hormone is a hormone that really governs our metabolism. Mm. And we know that women who are low in thyroid hormone a, find it harder to get pregnant. Yep. Mm. B, are at a higher risk of having a miscarriage. And also, if they're really truly hypothyroid, not just subclinically hypothyroid, women can have babies that have congenital hypothyroidism and that can cause intellectual disability and, and growth problems. So it is a really important thing to have checked. And I check thyroid hormone levels of all my patients and there is a subset of women trying to get pregnant. If their thyroid is corrected, they just get pregnant. Yes. So yeah, um, such an important thing. Yeah. And at the same time, although it is important to supplement and generally speaking, but it also depends if you have thyroid issues and that's why. And if you do have thyroid You issues, really need to see You do. Exactly yeah. right. But so 150 micrograms is the general recommendations for a supplement. It is important to not be having huge amounts 
mm. of iodine from supplements as well, though, because there is evidence that that can also be harmful. Detrimental. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. exactly. And there are some women who shouldn't have any. There are some yes, women who exactly don't right. need iodine at all because they've got an overactive thyroid. Yes. So yeah. um, really individualised advice is really what, what everybody needs. What we what we offer on this podcast is kind of general advice. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Yes. But for any individual, um, it doesn't replace medical advice from your doctor or clinical nutritionist. Wendy, before we wrap up, have you got any special projects you'd like to talk to us about? We mentioned that you're joining Women's Health Melbourne. Yes, so that's something that I'm really excited about um, and hopefully, you know, we can look at doing some group workshops and, yeah, working with women there, so that would be great. And then in the meantime, I um, also run my private practice out of Fitzroy. Yes, great. Um, and so I have a website now, um, wendyfidelidietitian.com.au. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, so come and check me out. So we can keep up with what you're up to. Yes, yes. Yeah, and we can vouch for Wendy. She's really lovely, friendly, not scary. Yes, thank you. Not bossy. No, (laughs) not too bossy. We're really excited for her to do her her best to help our patients and work together to get fantastic outcomes. Yes, I can't wait. We'll make sure that we put all of Wendy's details in the show notes so that she's easy to find. (laughs) Thank you for listening to today's episode of Knocked Up with Wendy Fideli. For more information about what we've discussed today, nutrition, please visit womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. You can also find us on the socials under Women's Health Melbourne and you can also follow Raylia at Dr Raylia Lou. And Wendy is at Wendy Fideli Dietitian. As Raylia said at the start of the episode, if you're a fan of the show, please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps people find us. And if you'd like to listen to an episode of a podcast we've done on Life Matters on Radio National, I was a guest there speaking with one of my patients who's frozen her eggs um, on an episode called Baby Panic and Fertility. You can find it on the Radio National website. We'll be back soon with another episode. 